there's not a hespid. I'm still not ready. Uh, but we are posting the hespidim as they are delivered by others. The purpose of this series is to preserve ideas I heard from Rav Moshe Zichron Levracha in the 25 years that I know him that are probably uh, very uh, not well known either because he told me these things in private or these things were totally tangential to the shear that he was in the middle of delivering so it will not be put in writing as that would interrupt the flow of the shear that needs to be put in writing. Or alternatively, he said it to a very small group of us at a Purim table or when we visited him on Chalamoid. So for all of the reasons above, I want to uh, preserve these very valuable short and sharp teachings and stories. We're going to start with uh, the stories that... uh, I and maybe a few others heard from him. The truth is that uh, he was a fantastic storyteller, but uh, he would never get attention for that talent because it was just so overshadowed with his intellectual brilliance and his teaching and ability to explain that uh, his knack for storytelling probably went uh, unnoticed because it was just so uh, obscured by his brilliance in his learning and teaching. But the truth is, he could tell over a story with uh, tremendous detail and color and feeling like the best of the Magidim. So to try to make some order in uh, the stories that I heard from him over the years, and I'm not telling them necessarily in chronological order. I don't remember in which order I heard these stories. And I'm just grouping them together either by topic or by person that the stories center around. So for, for, days, for today's piece, we're going to uh, have a batch of stories that he told about the Briskorov. It is well known that uh, he was uh, very close to the Briskorov. He was a frequent visitor to his house, and he used the Briskorov's Torah in his shiurim, and he had things to say that may have never been in print from the Briskorov. What I want to do now is just uh, share three stories that uh, I have never seen in print anywhere else. And uh, Rav Moshe was a, uh, a Kli Rishon. He was a eyewitness to these three stories. And the three stories themselves uh, carry uh, some serious messages, as uh, you will see. First story, uh, he told us once that uh, as a bocher in Hebron, a well-known figure in Yerushalayim of those days, Rav Shimon Strelitz, uh, a big genius who worked on the Encyclopedia Talmudis. He was also the one that put out the Me'iri. Um, we'll uh, explain.
explain more about him as the story goes on. Rav Shimon Strelitz, a well-known Talmud Chacham in Yerushalayim of those days, had walked into the Chevroner base Medrash in the words of Ramosha Behelem. He was in a total shock. He was walking in a uh, in a daze that uh, you know Ramosha you know, had described very colorfully. So as Ramosha was telling this, uh, another person uh, in the shir uh, interjected, This Rav Shimon Strelitz was a Talmud of Rav Kook. And Ramosha responded, Aval be'emet Talmud shal Rav Kook. But really a Talmud of Rav Kook. And, and uh, there was so much loaded into those short six words. Aval be'emet Talmud shal Rav Kook. Really a Talmud of Rav Kook. Meaning to say, uh, what we, uh, what he was getting across, was that uh, Rav Kook was a big Talmud Chacham, and only a real big Talmud Chacham is worthy of being called a Talmud of his, not anyone that ascribes to uh, a uh, Zionistic bend or the like. But Rav Kook was big, and only someone who's truly big is worthy of being called a Talmud of Rav Kook. That was the uh, the gist of. That remark, uh, which is also uh, something that worth to uh, look into, because uh, Rav Moshe was not a, a follower of the Rav Kook ideology and did not use his Torah in the Ma'amarim that he used to give us. If it, Rav Kook was ever alluded to, was generally to take issue with something that he said, you know, ideologically and uh, philosophically and in a very respectful way, but nonetheless to argue, but. It just shows that he had regard for Rav Kook's in stature as a Gadol Hador, and only someone who himself was an accomplished Talmud Chacham could be worthy to be called the Talmud of Rav Kook. So getting back to the story, so the, uh, this Rav Shimon Strelitz was Behelem Gamur, absolute shock. He was walking around in the days into the Chevroner Beis Medrash, and uh, he was mumbling under his breath, I saw that Rambam a thousand times. I saw that Rambam a thousand times. So Rav Moshe went over to him and asked him, Rav Shimon, Maya, you know, what's, what happened? And uh, Shimon Strelitz told him that he had just been by the Briskorov, and the Briskorov showed him an insight in a Rambam. Right? And it was like you know, the greatness of the Briskorov, a, 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 a Diuk had an inference that was so clear and so sharp and so penetrating. And Roshun Shalos was so nispoled that the Briskorov saw the Rambam and he saw that Rambam as he mumbled a thousand times. And the Briskorov could just see things in a Rambam that no one else could see. But literally, see things in a Rambam. That, you know, once it was pointed out, you know, you can't see the Rambam differently in any, <laughs> from any angle. That is clearly what the Rambam saying, which is that uh, the Briskorov could see a Rambam differently than a person sees a Rambam, even a person saw that Rambam a thousand times. <clears throat> the next story, and it's very interesting, I'm, uh, I, the juxtaposition of these two stories is also to bring out a point, even though he didn't, the Ramosha did not tell these two stories together, but I'm I'm putting them together for the sake of posterity because there is a, uh, a lesson to be learned. Right, the next story involves uh, Rav Amram Bloy. Rav Amram Bloy was the uh, 
founder of the Notori Karta, but it was a different organization back then, and when it was a real Machlokas L'Shem Shemaim, and Rav Amram Bloy himself was a big Talmud Chacham, and a genuine Ohev Yisrael, loved every single Jew, religious and secular light. It was, he had a real Machlokas L'Shem Shemaim, a real ideological battle with the uh, secularism of the state and of the establishment, and it was just that. It was all about ideology and fighting for Kvot Shemaim. It was nothing personal against any Jew, no matter how irreligious he may have been. Uh, then the Turi Karta has since uh, fallen from its original grace, and uh, no one that is in it is worthy of being a Hemshech to Rav Amram Blau, who, uh, when he was Nifter, even Mizrahi Rabbonim said has spayed him on him. <clears throat> so uh, I'm, I'm putting these two stories together to bring out another message that by the briskarov, every Talmud Chacham you know, could go in there and talk and learning with him and also get, <laughs> get it over the head from him also as we're about to uh, demonstrate. It was a different door, it was a different generation where there was genuine respect for all Talmudic Chachamim and Mind you, the Briskorov was a man that steadfastly refused to receive Ben-Gurion, the Prime Minister of Israel. The Prime Minister of Israel waited in a car outside for an hour, seeing if the Briskorov would relent and receive him, and the Briskorov refused. Uh, <clears throat> so uh, the Briskorov had an open-door policy for Tamidich Chamim, whether they were Tamidim of Rav Kok, or whether they were people like Rav Amram Blau, or totally polar opposite end of uh, the spectrum ideologically. So, this story that Moshe told us, he said, happened on a Motsari Shabbos. He had gone to the uh, Briskorov to Davin Marav on Motsari Shabbos. And a siren went off, a siren that uh, marking uh, some ceremony uh, those who've spent any time in Israel in the summer months know that there are sirens by Yom Azikaron, you know, when they uh, remember the fallen of uh, Tzahal, and also uh, there's a siren that marks, I think back in those days, also marked the, you know, the end of Yom Azikaron and the coming in of Yom Ha'atzma'ut, of the Independence Day. So there was some such siren marking some uh, national holiday you know, that has to do with the... Uh, yeah, the secular establishment. So, um, Rav Amram Blow turned to the Briskarov and said, you know, they're making a chag, they're making a moed out of this. Right? They're making a holiday. Where is this holiday that they are now celebrating, written in the Parsha of the Moadim, in Parshas Emor? I look throughout Parshas Emor, and it's not mentioned there. Right, this you know, holiday that the Zionists are celebrating. But then I looked more carefully and I said, actually is mentioned there, just at the end, because the Parsha of the Moadim ends off in Parsha's Emor uh, with the Parsha of the Megadef, the one who Hashem cursed the one above, who, and that's the first time you find the term Yisraeli, <laughs> the term Israeli. The uh, idea being that, <laughs> that this Chag is... Uh, you know, it's really being Megadef Shem Shamayim Chas Everything about this holiday is about, you know, cursing and rebelling against, you know, Malchus Shamayim. Yeah, and that's why 
you know, and he said, so apropos that he is referred to also as a Yisraeli, an Israeli. The Briskorov, as the way Rav Moshe described it, huamad bepanim chatumot, kiilu rabamam diber lakir. The Briskorov had a blank expression on his face, as if Rav Amram Blau had spoken to the wall, which obviously Rav Moshe, he's told it over so well that you could imagine, you could picture your mind, Rav Amram Blau felt so embarrassed not getting any type of response from the Briskorov. The message uh, being that, uh, first and foremost, one does not make play, doesn't play with psukim, you know, for your, you know, use psukim as a plaything, even if you're using it as, uh, you know, get a ideological message across. Psukim are not a plaything. Uh, but it's also another thing of about a lesson in nonverbal communication, literally, that the brisk is able to make Rav Amram Blau feel very, very humbled and uh, reg- remorseful right? and guilty about what he said. Uh, just by uh, his ability to totally, you know, uh, broadcast a total non-response and a non-recognition of what he said. Uh, it, was, uh, it was a moving story for those who were there to hear it at the time. The last uh, story that I want to share with you at this time uh, Moshe said that he heard it from the person that it happened to. He did not uh, hear it from the Briskorov, but he heard it from the Bala Maisa who had this with the Briskorov. And this is a story that uh, when Ramosha told it, you know, we were just rolling with laughter because of a way that, like I said, he had a knack for telling a story and describing a scene like the best of the storytellers. He said he heard it from uh, the young father that's the center of the story. And he said, as he told us at the time, that a young father, at the time the story happened, I mean to say, he was a young father. He told this story to Rav Moshe as a much older man. And he told me that some of the people in the story are no longer amongst the living. Uh, so um, the story happened many years ago. And, and the hero of the story um, was... Uh, hero, or the protagonist, I guess we should call him, right, uh, <clears throat> was a young father who had to babysit uh, two two-year-old twins of his. His wife was out. A chashvet tamad chacham that was on babysitting duty. And he was visited by one of the elder tamidei chachamim of Yerushalayim. And uh, Rav Moshe didn't tell us who he was. He just said that that elder tamad chacham was no longer amongst the living. <clears throat> at the time the Moshe was telling us the story, whereas the father of the twins that we're talking about was amongst the living. At the time the Moshe told us this story, this is a, which is quite a while ago. So the uh, young father who's on uh, babysitting duty is uh, having a very hard time. The twins were acting up, and as if uh, by design, if a twin was... Uh, playing in the kitchen and flooding the kitchen. And so uh, while he was running to the kitchen to uh, you know, uh, subdue the kid doing the damage there, uh, the other kid was running you know, to the bathroom and stuffing up the toilet. And when he ran to the bathroom to correct what's going on over there, the first twin got into mischief in another corner of the house. 
And as Ramosha described the story, you know, Oto Zaken, Yoshev, Vemabit, Vumitbonen Bamachaze. The visiting elder Tom Chacham just sits back and enjoys the show. It was entertainment that you just can't get anywhere else. And this goes on for an extended period of time. You know, the two twins playing tag team as far as uh, creating mischief. And the old man watches the uh, young father literally fall, Ritzpata uh, Salon, on the floor of the living dining room, uh, out of exhaustion, out of sheer exhaustion. And as Ramosha describes so colorfully, right, the elder Talmud Chacham just stands over, <laughs> stands over the uh, young, younger man, who's just flat out on the floor out of sheer exhaustion. And he asked him, how are they going to pay you back? I mean, referring to the twins, like, uh, what would I ever give you in return for how you put up for, with them? You cared for them despite what they did to you. So the uh, young father thought for half a second before passing out, and he said, Efshar imhem shechadoros. Perhaps I'll have to be satisfied that all that they're giving me in return is the hemshechadars, that they're going to keep the generation going, at least keep the family perpetuated, the ongoing generations. Right. Now, in the coming days, uh, this uh, young father, who also was a person that had a kesher to the briskarov, you know, had uh, second thoughts about what he said. Something bothered him. He, thought that maybe was improper, maybe he said the wrong answer. Something just bothered him about you know, the question and the answer. How will these kids pay you back? And you know, how we responded. Right? Uh, they'll pay, pay me back with the, keeping the family name going. So he went into the Briskorov and he told him the whole story. And the Briskorov you know, told him, Erkzok you said apicorsus, or maybe it was uh, something like you said, very close to apicorsus. Right. And the briskarov let him have it. Oilam chesed yibane. We have to create the world out of pure chesed. He said, like, just like Hakadosh Baruch Hu bechvaru ba'atzmo created the world, not hoping to get anything in return, because God needs nothing. And that's why it's Olam Chesed Yibar. That's why Zechor Racha Mecha Hashem Vechasadecha Ki Me Olam Hema. Right? The, you know, before the world was just pure Chesed and Rachamim. Nothing about getting anything in return. Just like God built His world on pure Chesed and Rachamim, not hoping for anything, not hoping to gain anything, not wanting to take anything. That's how we also have to build our private world. And we have to spawn the next generation. You know, and care for them and raise them just for the sake of giving birth to them and providing for them with not having, you know, any hopes of getting anything in return, not having that on our mind whatsoever, just like God himself. We have to create the next generation just like God himself created his own world. All right, this ends the first installment. Schuso Yagen Aleinu Valko Yisrael.